This episode of the Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Sales Leadership United is the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. Sales leadership frameworks, mindset tools, skill set tools, performance coaching, sales leadership training tools, video insights with some of the world's most successful sales leaders, tools used by sales leaders to create massive impact in the current environment. So don't waste your time trying to reinvent sales leadership. Head to Sales Leadership United on Patreon and check out what the world's most complete collection of sales leadership assets can do for you. Every topic you'll ever need and the tools to help you accelerate your sales leadership career all in one place. Check out Sales Leadership United today. Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. Tap into the power of coaching with people who have been there, done that. If you've ever wondered how other people with jobs similar to yours are addressing challenges you're facing now, reach out to the Jepson Performance Group and learn why sales leaders all around the world choose us as their performance partner. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. First and foremost, thanks to each of you for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for all the DMs, and please keep them coming. And thanks for your ongoing support of the show. We've never grown faster than growing right now. I love to see the growth of the show. I love hearing from so many of you, and I really love hearing how the show has been so helpful for you in your careers. And today, that's going to happen again. Uh, if you've liked what we've done before, today is going to be one that you're even more excited about. Today's show is going to feature someone that you're going to be excited to be introduced to. I'm excited to welcome Jessica Schultz to the show. Jessica is the founder and CEO of the Amplify Group. Amplify helps high-growth organizations accelerate growth in predictable ways with revenue engine design and execution know-how. Now, Jessica's run sales teams in almost every imaginable stage. She's got successful large enterprise experience. She's worked with many small, high-growth organizations. She's been an operator, an investor, an advisor, a top salesperson, and a top sales leader. Now, Jessica's journey started in the capital markets, and from there, she moved to SaaS sales. Then she had a really interesting run in venture capital, but today, she helps companies transition from where they are to where they want to be next. And this mindset of tracking down what's next that's a conversation I'm excited to get into because that concept, that ability applies to every single sales leader in any kind of company. And I am grateful to have Jessica joining us today. If you can't tell, I am super pumped for this conversation. I cannot wait to dive in. Jessica, welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Excited to be here. Your energy is just what I need on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm excited to have you join us. We we uh, we got 50,000 sales leaders that are all going through different stages of transition, and, uh, and and this is a topic that I can't wait to dive into. But 
But uh, why don't you start by introducing the Amplify Group to these listeners all around the world and what you do for your customers? Sure. So I started the company just a little over a year ago. So we're we're new, but we're growing fast. Um, and we really do two things. We work with early stage startups that are um, in the process of transitioning from a founder-led sales organization to like a professionalized sales and marketing and go-to-market motion for the first time. And so we help them, you know, cross that bridge, cross that chasm and build the their go-to-market infrastructure um, a sound go-to-market infrastructure from the beginning. And then we also work with later stage uh, companies as well that are more mature, but maybe they've um, their growth has plateaued or they are experiencing pain points. Um, I always say what got you here might not get you there. So there's some kind of friction going on. And so they bring us in to kind of diagnose um, what's causing that friction or what's causing that growth plateau and come up with ways to accelerate things again or prepare them for that next phase of their journey. Well, and I think that that's awesome because especially when you're going through this transition, a lot of times the, the turmoil, like you can get to a certain level, but going and breaking through that plateau from one to the other, that's always easier said than done. And there's lots of people who kind of crash on the rocks, if you will. There's lots of companies that don't figure out how to get. So the ability to help people have clarity on what it takes to go from here to here, I think is really important. But I also think that it applies to a lot more than just seed to series A and series A to series B. Mm -hmm. I think I think the process of transitioning is, is a really interesting one for everyone to think about and to press pause and be intentional. Before we get into your approach and how we do it, I'd love to take maybe just another couple of minutes. It's always fun to learn a little bit more about the people. Uh, what brought you to sales? Like most people that I talked to, like they did, they were the accidental salesperson. They did not grow up saying, I'm going to be in sales when I grow up. What, what attracted <laughs> you to sales? And ultimately, what made you uh, realize that working with sales leadership groups was what you wanted to do? Yeah, thanks for asking that question. Um, so I was a finance major. So you're right. I was not, um, I did not start yeah. out thinking I was going to be a salesperson um, and graduated college, went into banking. Originally, I started in operations um, and I didn't really even understand what that meant at that time. You know, you're 22 and you're like, right. <laughs> whatever, someone's going to hire me and pay me some money. Great. Um, but I didn't really, that's that first job, I guess, um, I that started to understand the difference between um, front office and sales and back office and operations. And sometimes there's a middle office kind of component as well. Yep. Um, and I just, I guess there was two things. One, I, I didn't feel like a lot of the salespeople that I met early on in my career added a lot of value. Like it just mm. seemed like there was a lot of talking heads. <laughs> Yeah, And so I think maybe at first I was a little turned off by it because I just felt like it was a lot of, I don't know, fluff and not a lot of substance. And but then um, I guess the more I just was exposed to business and different different pe different salespeople that had different ways of selling, because there are, of course, everyone has their own flavor. Um, I thought there really is a way to do it that felt authentic to me and who I am. And the more salespeople, I think, have operations experience and approach a sale like a project management kind of mindset, right? Um, 
and prepare the customer for what's going to happen next, like onboarding and customer success and everything. Like the better that's managed in a more operational way, the better and more um, sustainable the business growth can be. Um, and so I guess I just, over time, I was like, you know, and I, I love working with people. I'm like, I'm an extreme extrovert. I love being around people. I love learning about people. Um, I'm super curious. I'm always asking questions all the time about everything. <laughs> um, and so I think it was just like having an aha moment of like, no, I can do sales on my terms and I can be a subject matter expert and I can approach this in a very methodical way. And, um, so I wanted to make the transition and honestly, it was a little hard to do at first because when you're really good at operations, they don't want to lose yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but eventually I fought my way into it. And I remember, um, still the first, like I had a variety of roles, like, um, in, in customers, like in operations, I moved into more of a customer facing role and then customer facing leadership. And then, um, more of like a relationship manager for top tier accounts. And then eventually I was like, okay, now I don't, I'm proven. I'm good at being a hunt or a, sorry, a gatherer. Like I'm great at growing accounts and building relationships, but I haven't yet, um, done the hunting side of it. And I really wanted it. Like I was so thirsty for it at that point. And I finally found someone that was willing to take a, a risk on me, so to speak, and hired me for my first hunter role. And I remember he was he felt very, the guy that hired me felt very um, sure that I would be able to do it. But his leadership was like, this is on you if it doesn't work out. Uh, like they weren't totally sure that I could, you know, they were just like, she's never been a hunter. And he's like, yeah, but I just know this girl and she's got it. And I was 150% a quota in six months. And we were like, let's go. There you go. <laughs> the rest so anyway, history. it was just like a process. <laughs> so, so let's talk about transitioning. Like, Let's talk yeah. about that. We got a whole bunch of people listening. Some of them are SaaS. Some of them are tech. Some of them are banking. We got a lot of finance people that listen to this. We have manufacturing. We have professional services. I'm always blown away by how many different sales leaders tell me they listen to our show. It's awesome. I love it. Um, but transitioning, it is hard. And, you know, yep. transitions in life, like even in personal relationships, sometimes we hold on to bad relationships because it's better than the relationship that we don't know about. We keep ourselves in maybe where we don't want to be because it's better than the fear of what's out there and getting there. I think transitioning in general is hard. Why is transitioning so hard for sales organizations? Oh, so many reasons. Um, but yeah, uh, something that comes to mind, I'm a big Adam Grant fan. I don't know if you read his books, but he has this. Um, oh, yeah. So I think in that book, he talks about escalating commitment, right? Um, I'm pretty sure it's that one that he talks about it, but I really like I mean, I, I know that and we've seen it, um, but I think it's, I if I had to say, I think it's mainly because you're right. People are afraid of the unknown. They like what's comfortable or what's known better. I think the other thing is a lot of times leaders feel like if they're, if they're going to get behind a change and the change doesn't go well, that's going to obviously maybe reflect on them and hurt their career or, um, hurt their advancement opportunities. In my personal opinion, I think as long as you articulate to your team why and your leadership, why you're doing something like that, it's a that it's a well thought out and like you've you've done your evaluation, you've you've like you've you have a plan and you have a reason for what you're doing. Um, 
and then you do it if it works or it doesn't work it's just important to like measure that and have conviction like either to keep going or to or to pivot and then acknowledge if you made the wrong like if the if whatever you were going to do didn't work out just acknowledge it like take accountability for it and say hey we tried something it didn't work now we're going to try something else like i don't know i and i guess that's just like maybe creating more space for that kind of conversation but i've said that to multiple teams i've been a part of i'm like look doing nothing is not working for us so we're going to do something and it might work and it might not work and we're all going to give it our best shot and if it doesn't work we're going to try something else but doing nothing is just not going to that that's not the path forward <laughs> I, I think that's a really good insight jessica i'm glad you said that because can I say this the right way? Like we're in 2023. And one of my beliefs is if you're going to win in 2023, you need 2023 systems. And I see a lot of people that are still trying to win on 2020 or even 2019 systems or 2021. And I have a lot of people that say, oh, well, if we're going to sell more then I guess that means we're going to do activity management. I, all we're going to ask for is if we're going to have 10% more growth, then I need 10% more activities from you. And at some point that's a recipe for burnout. And yeah. I, I, I was meeting with a client of mine, large company that people would know. And, and they asked me, you know, why is this not working? Cause they need to transition. And I said, honestly, can I just tell you without like offending you? And they're like, sure. I said, 2012 called and they want their sales model back. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, that model worked really well in 2012, but it's 2023. And, you know, we, we've got to upgrade. We've got to, if you're going to upgrade your performance, you're going to have to upgrade other things. And so I, I don't know how you look at it, but as I was getting ready for our conversation, I was like, what are the things that go into transitions? And I'm really interested to get your take because you're an expert on transitions. And so it's probably some people related. It's probably some process or systems related. It's probably the experience that you want to create for the clients are, are, are different. Maybe even how you train, teach, equip, model what good looks like. So I don't care if it's a new company trying to like go from founder led to having a sales team or saying we're going to go from being, you know, a, a $2 million company to a $10 million company. What mm -hmm. are the things, what are the blueprints? What are the elements that go into saying, Hey, sales leader, if you want to like be the architect of transition, here's mm -hmm. two or three things we need to be talking about. Where, where would you usually start? Yeah, so we actually start all of our client engagements off with what we call a go-to-market audit. And um, so it is that initial like inventory and we have a, you know, a defined process to do that, to like inspect and, um, and we're inspecting what's the current, like, I guess the overall themes of that audit are like, what are your, what did you do last year in revenue? What do you okay. wanna do this? What do you wanna do this year? what is that based on? As in like, are we running out of runway? Do we need to fundraise in six months? So we need to have a certain metric to fundraise. Like, um, it did the competitive landscape change? Like what, what's the driver for, for what your goals are this year? Um, and then, um, also like, what is the current state of your affairs? And I have a bunch of questions I ask them to assess like the maturity of their go-to-market and, then we do a bunch of our own independent research on their competitors, the marketplace, et cetera. And we come back with, okay, based on what you told us, like where you were last year, where you want to go this year and what we see as to where you are right now, this is a, a defined list of things that 
that we see as risks for your organization or opportunities for your organization. Um, and this is how we would prioritize those. These should be tackled in the first 30 days, these 60, these 90, et cetera. And this is why, like, this is a risk because X, this is an opportunity because Y, you know, like we give a very clear playbook. And I think um, that really helps. And I try to make everything we do. And I'm so flattered when my clients say this to me, because it's really what we try to do, but everything we do very practical, like, you know, it's like, this is a, I don't know, like, I just want to take such a practical approach to everything. And I think the more that people that did that, hopefully <laughs> would find success. But I just mean, like, let's, you know, for example, doubling your revenue this year, maybe after we go through the audit, I might come back and say, that's just not going to happen. There's so much we need to do to fix before, like, we can really grow at that scale. So, like, I need to reset your expectations here. And, like, this is what is practical and attainable this year based on where we're at. Um, so anyway, that's how I approach it is like a very methodical, like inventory system and then competitive and market analysis, and then get to a plan. I really like that. And I, I, I'm thinking of lots of conversations I've had with sales leaders, with some people in the VC world that are working with trying to get their people from series A to series B or series B to whatever, um, what you just described, I think is really important that. Like when I've heard people be disappointed in sales leaders, it's usually the thing that they're not disappointed in, in the performance. Like the, what they're more concerned about is how well thought out is the plan to get there. And, um, and I don't know if that matches your perspective or not, but I'm thinking of one guy in particular that was telling me about a disappointment they had in a CRO that they'd given him a target, but all he was like, we'll see what we can do. And he, he didn't come back with a, in order to accomplish this, this is what I'll need. And um, and I think for any transition, the ability to come up with a plan, do you remember the, like, I know that you and me, I'm the senior citizen in our relationship here together, but, <laughs> but do, do you remember the original Ghostbusters movie? Do you remember that? Yeah. There's a Not scene in where detail, they, find, but go they on. find their very first ghost and Bill Murray is like told, you got to go talk to it. And he's like, hey, where do you come from? And he goes, she's like, shh, the ghost librarian goes, she goes, shh. I always think of that as sales related, that it's like, hey, we're trying to do a cold call and the customer says, no, thanks. He goes back into it with his team. He's like, the usual things aren't working right now. And that's what happens at transitionary times. We're like in Ghostbusters where we say, damn it, the usual things aren't working right now. And then what do we do about it? And so having the building blocks for what does it take to go from here to here? So it's not just work harder. It's not just be because that's usually what I see as a lot of motivational approaches. You can do it. We got this, you know, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's not helpful. <laughs> yeah. That, how, like, how are can we talk going about to that? get this? <laughs> yeah. Can you talk, can you address that for a minute? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, again, that's where I just try to break it down for them. Right. So for example, one, I'll give you like a good example. Like one of our customers that came to us last year, they were like, you know, we're almost at a million in ARR. We need to get to 5 million next year. Da, da, da. Um, and we start going through, I'm like, okay, do you have an outbound strategy? What are you doing to drive inbound? You know, like we're going through everything. And I look at their website and it's terrible. And they're a technology company. So I'm like, this is really bad that your website looks like it's from 1985. And you're supposed to be like the tech forward person that these large enterprises are handing over, you know, massive amounts of data to, et cetera. Like that's not what's communicated. And I'm like, we can launch an outbound strategy for you right now. But the first thing anyone's going to do in today's 
today's buyer, the first thing they're going to do is go to your website, right? Like every buyer does um, their own independent research before they get on the phone with you. So I was like, we could do that, but I, I think we'll get little to no results. So I would rather say for the next two to three months, let's redo your brand. Let's redo your website, which is essentially your digital foot, uh, your digital storefront. And then let's launch your outbound strategy. Cause if we launch it now, it's like, for what? Like, you know, um, so like, that's the st- kind of stuff. And I'm like, and that means that we might not hit 5 million next year because you have an enterprise sales cycle. And that means our outbound motions aren't starting for 60 days minimum. And then you have a six to nine month minimum sales cycle. So like, let's just all get realistic right now that like, but this is the dependency. Like this is something we have to tackle to get you where you want to be ultimately. So it's just like that level setting and helping them understand like the dependencies of certain things. And, and the, I guess if you don't address those, the lack of results you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I, I'm trying to keep this. So I think that your approach and what you're talking about, I think it applies to everyone. I'm, I'm thinking of people who tell me that they, they're in the, they sell to schools, they sell sporting goods to schools and other people are doing finance and other people are doing like high tech. We're trying to, to grow. I think that our job as sales leaders is to fuel the growth of a company, right? It's to fuel the growth. It's not just to work hard and cross our fingers and hope. And so I like that you have this idea of creating an audit about going from where I am to where I need to be. And, and so I think that's really helpful. I appreciate you sharing that. Like, let me like dive into that a little more. Is that okay if we start to, yeah. to of go course, a little bit yeah. in this? Let me start with people first. Um, that might be a hard one. Sometimes I know that what the, like you said, what got you here won't get you there. Is it off? Do you sometimes have to say, I need different people to go? It's not just more people, but different people. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you reconcile that? How do you work through that? How, like any advice on, on that concept? Cause I think that can be particularly challenging. Oh yeah, I agree. Especially like the bigger organization you get, you are working with, right? Like when we're working with small startups. It's like, you know, the CEO is the decision maker. It's maybe less than 20 employees. It's kind of easy to get to like, this is what's happening, whether you like it or not. The bigger organizations, obviously, you have more stakeholders, more opinions, more layers of like buy-in needed. Um, but I, I'd say what I, some things I try to do um, are one, I try to come into all of these audits, and even though I'm, I'm assessing everyone, I try to not make it feel that way. <laughs> I sure. try to make it feel like. I'm here to understand what your pain points are, your problems are, um, and what would make this a success to you, like this project, right? Like working with us and us helping you with your go-to-market, like I ask each person, each stakeholder, like what would make this look, like what what does success look like for you at the end of this engagement? And I document that. And then, um, but I am asking them a lot of questions and like kind of assessing what I think like their appetite for change, their aptitude to do their job, um, their willingness to participate. But I guess I think when I start by just asking them, like making the conversation focus on what they, what would success look like for them in their role and what would be most helpful for them in their role, I can then get more 
it allows them to be more vulnerable and trust me a bit more and open up a bit more. And then I'm able to like better assess what I need to. Um, but ultimately, like I bring that back to the CEO at the end of the day, who is always who we report to. And I'm like, look, I spoke to all, your entire team. Um, you know, this is what blah, blah, blah said success looks like for them. That seems misaligned with what you told me your objectives are. <laughs> or like, I'm sensing that this person is going to be resistant to change. What, what you're hiring me to do is to drive a massive amount of change in your organization. I think this person's going to be a roadblock. Um, mm. Or like, I think this person doesn't have what it takes, you know, and here's why. Yeah. Now, now I like both of That's a really interesting distinction. Some people will say, I didn't sign up for that. I want that. I'm thinking of another one of my clients who they made in order for them to successfully navigate both COVID and the labor challenges that came afterwards, they had to have people take different roles. And some of the people are like, that wasn't the job that I signed up for. I don't want that job. And so that's one level of problem. The other one is you're going to sometimes need to, tra so, so, so to transition, I was, when I was enough people, like yeah. this is really awesome. Transitions with people sometimes may require a role change and transitions with people may sometimes require a skill change. Mm -hmm. And those are the two that that seems really important to me that we like we we see that we we need to say in order to get from here to here we need to either have we need a this role and then to fill that role we need b these capabilities or skills yeah. or whatever or you, you probably are better at it than me but it seems like that's really important because i think sometimes we're like especially when you transition, you're like, man, this person's been loyal or man, she's done such a like she was so important for what we've done here. Well if they can't accept that role, then it doesn't matter if they don't have the skill or the other skill. The role will be what I would imagine would trump the skill. Because once you agree where the role is, either we can help develop the skill or we'll go get someone that has it depending on the importance of that. Is Thoughts around that? I mean, am I getting No, no, right? I agree. And I mean, hopefully you can repurpose, like sometimes you can repurpose people within an organization, of course, just depends on if they're open to that. But like, I've definitely had that. We've had like example one client, I just thought, the person they had in sales is like, he's not a sales guy. He's told me repeatedly, like, quote, unquote, these are the things he said. He doesn't really want to do this, but he likes building relationships and he seems to be good at building relationships. So why don't we put him in a customer success account management role? Because it seems to me that he would do well there. And, you know, we can create incentives in that new role for him that are related. To, like there's a a variable comp component that can be related to renewals and upsells. So there's like a sales component, but I was like, this guy's not a hunter period. End of conversation. He's said it himself. So like, you know, sometimes obviously you, and then if that worked out, you know, we were able to move that person into account management and make that work. Um, but to your point, sometimes you find like the organization has outgrown the people and they can't upskill fast enough in some cases. So I think that that's something that every one of our listeners can say. So when we're going to transition from where we are to where we're going to be, what's going to be required? Like, I love that. Maybe they need to have someone like you that can bring a third party perspective in that says, listen, you know, going from A to B, you can figure it out, but like, we've been there, done that. We can help you do it without guesswork. I can see that. I don't care how you do it, but let's make sure we have an idea of here's what's going to be required. So that means it's going to be these roles. I'm sorry. Yeah, this role will be required. Mm -hmm. These skills are going to be required, required. And then that takes us into the next one. What are the resources or the systems that are going to be required? So let's shift into that. 
Like, yeah. how do you, how do you figure out like how you equip and how you build systems? Because, you know, what you don't want to be as the hard worker that just works your guts out and cross your fingers no. and hope, right? I mean, that's, that's not a recipe for success. No. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I am all about like automate, automate, automate. <laughs> um, especially as much as you can, right. I'm like anything that like, we can, anytime we can save brain space by automating something that allows you to have more brain space for like real strategic, creative, you know, revenue generating thinking. So we don't, you know, we want to remove anything that's not that. Um, so, I mean, for us, luckily, most of our clients at this point in our, in our company trajectory, anyway, they're mostly of the same maturity and, size and um, profile. So like a lot of the technology that we recommend tends to be a pretty good fit for all of them. Just, you know, again, because they're all similar in shape and size. I think as we grow, that will change. Um, Cause I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend, or I wouldn't recommend the tech stack we rec we give or whatever to our growth stage startups that are 10 million or less in revenue. Like I wouldn't recommend that same tech stack to a hundred million dollar company. Um, so, I mean, the way I personally approach it is for us, again, we're sales and marketing. So like, we gotta have a CRM that's like our backbone, our single source of truth, you know, the, whatever, the North star of all of our other systems. And then we have to figure out what else do we need? And I have a bunch of categories that we work through with people, but it's like, you know, um, do we need marketing automation tools? Do we need sales engagement tools? Is our strategy going to involve some type of paid media or is it more just earned media? Um, like, we, again, that's part of the audit. Like we take an inventory of like, what are the, what are the levers we're going to pull to, to create growth for you? And then what systems do we need to, to automate, track, and measure the performance of those levers? Um, and then I obviously, or maybe not obviously, but I want to make sure all of those systems speak <laughs> to each other. So there's like native integrations that exist for all the systems that we're recommending. Or if there's not native integrations, is it something that I can hopefully patchwork with a Zapier or something? Um, so like, we really are just trying to think through like, yeah, I guess do the systems match our ability. I think that's the best way to say it to like track measure and track and measure performance of the different levers that we're trying to pull. So I love that you're talking about this because I think this is an area that everyone knows they got to do something, but it's like, how do I do that? And I, I want to go back. I'm going to hit rewind to one of the first things yeah. you talked about is you're always testing. Like we're not going to get stale. I, I think that's the thing that happens. We find something that works and, and we feel like, well, it, it got me here. How do you, what would you recommend to 50,000 sales leaders about having part of your culture be inventiveness and testing and always saying, let's figure out, like, let's not get stale. I think stale, like you can be the youngest person in the room and still be stale. And you can be the oldest person in the room and be the freshest. It, it's, mm -hmm. it's not it's not how old you are. It's your approach no. to like, is that worth discussing in this conversation? Oh, I agree. Yes. Um, I am like, like a rabid consumer of sales and marketing news and data. So like 
for example, I'm a member and I recommend this to every sales leader we work with, but like I'm a member of Modern Rev, uh, or no, sorry, Modern Sales Pros. There's Rev yeah. Genius. There's um, a new RevOps co-op group. Like there's four or five that I subscribe to their newsletters and part of their like community forums and such. And I find that that's like a, a relatively easy way if you will, to keep up to speed. Like, so I just make it part of my daily morning routine. Like I read through that stuff and I see like, is there a topic people are discussing that I'm not thinking about? Should I be thinking about it? Is there, you know, a challenge that people are discussing that I also have? I'll read through the thread and see like how they're trying to solve that challenge. Um, is there a new technology that came out? Because God, Lord knows we're seeing new technologies like every single day. But I, you know, anytime I see something, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if that's better than what I'm using now. I make a note and a task for myself to circle back and do a two week free trial and see if it it's superior to whatever I'm using now. Like I just never stop, I guess, being thirsty for that knowledge and never stop like learning from my peers about what they're doing, what they're seeing, what they're using. And I think the minute you do that, to your point, you're stale. Like you just have to be always looking for the next thing. Is that a cultural <laughs> thing? Is that a cultural thing you build into part of your culture to always be on high alert for what what's next and what's working and to, you know, there used to be a lot of talk around always be A-B testing. And <clears throat> I mean, any thoughts around that? Is that part of the culture that you build is we're always looking, we're always growing, we're always testing. We want to be we want to be a, a, a early user of what's next, not just a late adopter because it seems to me that would be I think you're right I mean I definitely like say that to my team all the time I'm like we've we're never done learning we're experts but like we're experts who learn and innovate and are curious every single day (laughs) like so I mean at least I put that in place for my team I try to instill that in my clients too I mean, and there is like a balance, right? Because you do also, like, I was just listening to another podcast this morning talking about, you know, cognitive load, right? Like, and people can only absorb so much change and so much new information at a time as well. And so I think as a sales leader, you have to know to be that filter, like just because I'm consuming this stuff every morning, it's not like I'm sharing every new shiny object with every member of my team because they would probably, their minds might explode. You know, like, but I'm filtering through and going, okay, this is worth noting. This is not, but I'm curious. I'm going to watch it. So I, I think there is a balance of like, as a leader staying plugged in, but also knowing how much of that to share with your team so that they don't get overwhelmed. The word that comes to my mind as I listen to you, Jessica, and I like this because I didn't expect we would go here. And I want you to tell me if I'm, if I'm reading you wrong, because I don't want to misrepresent that. But I think we're talking about capacity now. It's organizational capacity and individual and and individual yeah. capacity. It's 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 capacity. That's what the transition is. It's it's going from here to there. Is it's it's can we do more? It's what's our capacity? And as a leader, we should be saying, what am I doing to make sure that we don't just always have to add heads or add effort if we're going to grow? Like, how do we create capacity? Let me tell you what I mean. I'm thinking of yep. a couple of the clients that I work with. One of them told me his, one of his things that you made me think of him about five minutes ago when you were talking about Rev Genius and, 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 and tech evolutions and stuff. This guy told me one day a month, he has scheduled this one day. I think it's like the third Friday of the month or something like that. It's about 
presentations from vendors, tech vendors that he's not actually looking for something like when he gets cold calls or emails that even if he's not looking for it, he thought that they did a good job. He'll schedule a meeting because he wants to once a month have a day where he's seeing what's fresh and what's new. So he can be aware of all those things, not secondhand from what's been said, but he has had a demo of it. He's like, there's been plenty of times I was like, Hmm, I guess I do need that. Other times it's really interesting to know where it's going, but that was one for capacity. Another person is scheduling like one day a month that it's only a day of leadership reflection. Where are we? What's working well? What's working better? What's working mm -hmm. average? What's not working? Where do we need to go? It's those are the kinds of things. And then she's the one who does that. And she's, she's like, Rob, this has fueled all of my one-on-ones. It's fueled all of my team meetings. It's, it's made it so I do more than just get buried by the pressure of the number. You know, the number yeah. is the tactical leadership. The capacity is the strategic leadership, but yeah. thoughts on that? No, am I really I, am like I that. Wrong? No, I think you're dead right. Um, and I think the more everyone has like consistency and in their, to whatever process works for them, because to your point, like all of us are going to have different things, like the one day a week or whatever. Like, again, my, for me, my brain works best in the morning. So I use an hour of my morning every morning to like look at and think about this kind of stuff. But I do think like whatever your whatever works for you, having consistency and um and sticking to that, like, you know, to your to the point about the woman you mentioned who like once a month thinks yeah. about, you know, like whatever that is, like oh hold yourself to it. Like what and I mean I do that with tasks or you know different ways for myself, but I really like that. I like that idea of forcing yourself to be thinking about capacity because I don't think that enough leaders worry about capacity because there's so much pressure on what are you doing this month, this quarter, this week, this mm -hmm. whatever, right? Yeah. It's, it's you've got to force yourself. I really like that. Build that as part of your routine. And and I think that there's another C word that we use the word capacity. I think that there's a C word of cadence or consistency. Yes. Yes. Like, how do you build that? Like commitment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like uh, another what thing I'm gathering. Go. Oh, yeah. Go. Oh, you go ahead. No, I, I, was... I want to hear what you say, because I'm, you're, you're making me think about this differently. This, this part of my cadence of, of I got to be looking out instead of just what's in front of me. I've got to be looking out. I got to make sure I can get here, not just. So almost like your frontline leaders take care of this stuff and you're looking out to make sure you can help them get to what's mm -hmm. next. Or is that totally a, co or a fellow founder friend of mine? He calls it like working in his business work versus working on his business. And I always thought mm -hmm. that was like a good way to put it, right? Like Sometimes we get too busy working in the business that we need to step back and work on the business. <laughs> um, so anyway, that was like a good phrase I liked. And I, I try to ask myself that question from time to time. Like, have I spent enough time working on my business or has this whole week been in it? Um, and then another thing that comes to mind, I heard this woman, I can't remember what her last name is. Her first name was Kat, but she's like a, a speaker, you know, she's, been a senior executive at multiple companies and now she just does a lot of speaking engagements but she talked about how she would do this thing with her team um every week she would have them submit um what made my week difficult and at the end of the week she would review the list of the submissions and she would either she's like if it was things i could fix right away i'd tackle it fix it if it was things I couldn't fix right away. I would tell the team, Hey, 
here's everything that got submitted. Here's what I'm what I can address. And so we will be. And here's what I can't address right away. And here's why, whether that be like budget or complexity or whatever. But I just thought that was such a cool way. And I haven't completely worked that into my team yet, but I've told them about it. And I just loved her. Like what made your week difficult? Yeah. Thing. And, and I almost like having a punch list of here's where we are and why here's where we're going and what we got to figure out in order to get there. Yeah. And then you can be really intentional about roles and skills and resources. And maybe the last thing I wanted to ask you that we haven't got to yet. I can't believe we're down to our last six or seven minutes. It's yeah. Time flies. Crazy. Thank, <laughs> you. Thank you for being so awesome. Um, I, I, I'm thinking about it. Like any thoughts about how you, Actually, it's one thing to come up with what you need. It's another thing to implement it. It's another thing to like scale that. It's another thing to like let people know what good looks like. Any thoughts around model? I call it modeling awesomeness. What does awesome mm -hmm. look like? What does good look like? Because again, that experience that you create as a sales organization is going to be different or else you're going to get left behind. Any thoughts on, on that? Yeah, I try to coach our clients on the good, better, best like, that's what I say to them. I'm like, look, I love that. what you were, what were you were doing right now is not good. So, and we're, here's where we're aiming to be right. Here's what we all agree is the best, but we're not going to get from bad to the best overnight. So we're going to work on iterative, like week over week, incremental improvement. So, and the only way to do that is to just start doing it. I feel like a lot of people get this like paralysis of like they don't start doing something because it's not yet perfect. And I'm like, no, we just got to start doing it. You're going to break a few things, but like, it's, it's like riding a bike or doing anything, right. You're going to get muscle memory. The more you do it, the more comfortable it's going to feel, then it's going to be easier to get better at it, but we can't just wait for you to be perfect to start. So I guess it's just defining, like, we all agree what we're doing now is, is not good. We all agree. This is where we, what we think is the best. And we all also agree and subscribe to, we're not going to get there tomorrow. We're just every day. We're going to try to get a little bit better. I love this because this applies to everyone, this incremental improvement. So it, it reminds me of like, like a, a story I have of, of taking my kids on a hike to a summit. I, I like hiking. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. I like hiking. I have a son that hates hiking. And so <laughs> Would you, I have one son that likes it. So if we were like going up a summit, like the easy way is my one son will just go straight up. Like we said, we got to get there. We go straight up. And some sales leaders and some business owners, when we say we want to get from 1 million to 5 million or 5 million to 50 million, they'll just go straight up. But this son I have that hates it so bad. The only way I can do it is if we take switchbacks, we go here, here, and here, and then we stop mm -hmm. and we pull out our water bottle and we look back and we say, man, look, the parking lot's so small. Can you believe how far you've come? That whole thing. And then we don't go straight up. Then we do a few more switchbacks. And, mm -hmm. and this incremental improvement, I can get every single person to the top that way. You know, yep. some people can go from point A to point B in a straight line. Like I got a son, he'll race you to the top. There's no way I can keep up with him. But I can get every single person there if I take them on switchbacks. Yeah. And I think that that switchback, that incremental, like, do you have a culture of we are always finding what's next, getting a little better? I think that's an awesome message for you to give our listeners everywhere. Cause I don't care what kind of company you're running. 
if you're not finding ways to have incremental improvement as an organizational, but also with every person on your team, what's yeah. going to happen is you're going to get stalled. And I'll be interested to have, have this be your last thing we talk about, and then we'll start to wrap it up. I think even if you're on the right path, if you're not moving, you're either going to get run over or passed up, right? If you're not moving, even if you're on the right path, you're going to get run over or passed up. So any thoughts? Mm -hmm. let's, I'd love to get your final thoughts for like, how do you create a world of incremental improvement and incremental growth? I think it's such a good way of looking at it, Jessica. I love mm -hmm. it. No, I think you're right. Um, I think it's cultural, right? It's like, feet, like what, what do they say? Like, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them, tell them again. <laughs> I don't know. There's like some kind of saying like that. Like, I feel like I tell my team all the time. I'm like, sorry. And my clients, I'm like, I'm a broken record. I repeat myself a lot. It's because I know that we're all like, we have to hear things. A lot of us, a lot of times to have it sink in. And even, even then, like you might need to be reminded. So like, I don't know. I think it, as a leadership team, it is about instilling that in the culture and reminding your team all the time. Like, this is who we are. We're incrementally better every week. And like, maybe even building that into like the weekly sales meetings, right? Like each person, I want you to tell me this week, like what, what did you do last week that was 10% better than the week before? Like, I don't know, making awesome. it more part of the conversation. It's awesome. This, this is so good. I, I think if there's one thing we get from this, it's this idea of, of creating this environment where we know that we're going to be looking to do things differently different skills, different roles, different people, different systems, different experiences, not because what we did necessarily was bad, but because otherwise we're going to be stuck where we were and we don't want to be that way. I, I think that's the, the kind of theme that I'm getting is that you don't want to get stuck. We don't want to let our success from last year stop us from what we could do next year kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so so let's start to wrap this up. I can't believe that we're like, I really can't believe we're almost out of time. How do people get more of you? How do they, how do they learn more about Amplify? I hope there's people that say, oh man, maybe I want one of those audits or maybe I want to pick up what you're doing. Like how, how do they get access to the content that you share or the resources that you have, or if they want to have a conversation with you, how, how do they get more of you, more of Amplify or anything you have to offer? Yeah. Um, so our website is Amplify Scales. S-C-A-L-E-S, because we help you scale. <laughs> uh, AmplifyScales.com. And uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Jessica Schultz. Um, and on our website, you could subscribe to our blog. Um, we put out a lot of content regularly now. Um, I'm an avid poster on LinkedIn, sharing my own thoughts. <laughs> and you're so good. I love to us. watch what... I'm, I'm a fan of your stuff. And by the way, Jessica, we'll, we'll put your links to what you just said in the show notes to make it really easy for the listeners Perfect. to find that blog or find that site or find you on LinkedIn. Um, awesome. Uh, do you have a, like a final thought? It's like a chance for you to put a cherry on top. Like if you were to summarize what we talked about or insights on how to create growth through transition or add, maybe add some predictability in unpredictable times or, or help people do more than just work hard and hope. Any final thoughts on, on creating that capacity or that organizational transitional capability that we talked about to finish? Hmm. I think if I had to like summarize in just a few bullets, it's like, stay curious, like constantly be seeking new information and um, never stop doing that. Um, zoom out 
I think was like a big thing we talked about, right? Like we get so ingrained in the day to day, like have a cadence or hold yourself accountable to some kind of cadence to zoom out and think about things more strategically, more holistically. And then um, I think maybe the last one, we were just talking about incremental change, like survive in advance every Mm. week, just get a little better. (laughs) Yeah. Don't get stuck in, don't get stuck. Like, I love that. It's, this this was awesome. Jessica, I'm so glad you were willing to spend an hour of your time and, and talk to our leaders around the world because this concept, I, I think the idea of looking past the immediate number you got to hit now and not letting that stop you from growing, I think that's an important mindset. I think it's an important skill set. I think that's so important. And I'm so grateful that you'd be willing to share some of these tools. You've given us some really good things to do immediately as a result of listening to you. Um, her name is Jessica Schultz. She uh, runs runs an important organization uh, called the Amplify Group, where they can help you uh, have clear path to how you can transition intentionally with with maybe the least amount of drama possible, right? And uh, <laughs> we try. And, and, and I want to thank you for joining us. And as I say to everyone, thanks for joining us, and and happy selling, Jessica. Happy selling. Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this episode is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Listen, this year is in full swing and every sales leader needs to find ways to create more impact with the people they lead. And that's exactly why I created Sales Leadership United. It is the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. Creating sales leadership assets is hard. It takes a lot of time and you wonder if what you're building is gonna work. But members of Sales Leadership United have access to proven trainings, proven techniques, and and tactics used by some of the world's most successful sales leaders. And with a simple search, you can find sales leadership resources, proven frameworks, modern systems, sales meeting ideas you can use immediately, and much, much more. Systems on any leadership topic you need are ready for you to tap into at Sales Leadership United. Hundreds of video segments from some of the most successful sales leaders in the world are here, and and they're all one search away. You can find Sales Leadership United on Patreon, and for less than the cost of lunch, you can have access to more sales leadership materials than you may have ever imagined. New material is released every single week, and you will never be operating on old systems as a member of Sales Leadership United. So click the link below in the show notes and check out Sales Leadership United today. Now, Jessica is doing some really cool things, and I hope you found this conversation to be as insightful as I did. I really thought a lot about her perspective around transitioning from one stage to the next, because going from stage to stage is hard. In fact, I think it's harder than most think. There's a reason why only 4% of seed companies make it to the Series A level, for example. And there's a reason why larger, more mature companies have slower growth rates and even slower change rates, why they end up having to play from behind instead of staying in front. It's because the force of gravity is real. Sir Isaac Newton was onto something when he shared that objects at rest stay at rest, but he was also right when he said objects in motion stay in motion because that force of gravity is real. And in sales, That force is the force of status quo. Status quo with your customers and how they do things. You've got to learn how to unsell status quo, but also status quo with the way you do things. I've seen a lot of people stay with the way that we've always done it because that's what we've always done at the expense of opportunities that they could have otherwise had. 
And so I think it's hard to break through to new levels of performance because it requires so much newness, new process, new experiences, new situations, new priorities, new problems, new stories that you tell. This requires us choosing growth rather than just working harder. And that's why I think growth over grind is one of the most important choices we'll ever make as a sales leader. It's one of the 20 choices that we need to consider uh, as sales leaders that we got to make. So this concept is an important one, and it makes me think of an example I hope you'll hang in there with me and consider. Have you ever seen a rocket launch, You know, a space shuttle launch? I've never been to one live, but I've seen them on TV. I've seen videos of them. And if you think about it, first you see the smoke, okay? You even see that tower start to shake a little. And then you hear the rumble of the rocket engine because the speed of sound is not quite as fast as the speed of light, so you see stuff before you hear stuff. And... Um, the fire from the engine starts to grow and the shuttle slowly starts to go up the tower. And then it breaks free and starts to fly in a gentle arc as the ignition rockets continue to fire. And then it breaks free of the launch rocket and the secondary engines fire and the shuttle accelerates towards the Earth's atmosphere and then into space. Here's an important fact that has everything to do with you as a leader. That rocket, that space shuttle I just talked about, it takes more fuel in the first 60 seconds to get that rocket ship off the ground than it does when the rocket's up in this in outer space for that shuttle to go all the way around the world one time. Let me say it a different way. It's more fuel to get off the ground in that first 60 seconds than it does to go all the way around the world once you're in outer space. There's a scientific term for this. It's called escape velocity. An escape velocity is the amount of energy required to escape the gravitational pull of the earth. We have to create escape velocity as leaders as well. And escape velocity for leaders is the energy required to escape the gravitational pull of status quo. Just today, I had a one-on-one -on -one with a leader who's struggling to help one of his top reps move past the level that they're at right now. One in particular said he hits 125% every year and he's happy with that. He's going to stay there. And while it's an awesome display of consistency, this guy has a lot more in the tank. And my conversation with Jessica made me think of this concept as she was talking about going from seed to series A, series A to series B, and so on. Because our job as leaders is to fuel growth, and growth means change. And change is usually hard at first because it is tough to escape that gravitational pull. But once you do, then you get that beautiful experience of circumnavigating and I hope you like that word, circumnavigating, the earth and enjoying a beautiful experience. But to get to that level, you got to burn. You got to have that rocket fire. You got to overcome that escape velocity. And then when you get into outer space and you want to leave uh, that orbit and get to the moon, you've got to burn again. And then again to get to Mars and again to find a new solar system altogether. So it's important that we do more than just push the more button. We need the people on our team to understand that we're going to have to burn and what that, what that looks like. What does it look like to burn? It also means you're going to have to up your sales leadership game if you want to remain the pilot of the ship that you're on. Because if you want your team to get to new levels, you're going to have to raise your leadership game. So I agree with Jessica when she said transitioning is hard. Status quo is not the goal. Doing nothing is not good. That's how she started this whole thing. And then she got into clarity and capacity and some amazing things because those are the things that you need if you're going to create a plan to go from Earth to the moon and then again from, from moon to Mars. 
But again, Jessica's also right. You don't have to do it in one snap of your fingers like Dorothy did when she said there's no place like home. You don't have to do it in one big move. But what you do need to do is what Jessica said and keep moving ongoing incremental growth. You need to have a plan for that. It's so easy to get trapped in what has worked that we fail to find it what we need to have work next. So keep moving, keep growing, keep changing because what you don't wanna be is stale. Cause I'm gonna go back to where we started. Objects at rest stay at rest. So you better choose to be an object that stays in motion. My advice, go back and listen to Jessica's advice again because it's gold. Do those audits, create that capacity, find ways to create growth, small steps done consistently. And before you know it, just like Jessica has done with others, you will find yourself in places that you may have not thought possible. I see it every year. People say, we're asked to do more than we did last year. Last year was a record. How are we gonna beat it? We had X happen, we had Y happen, we had Z happen, but they didn't plan on any of those things happen. They went out and made it happen. That's why you need to overcome escape velocity. That's why you need to follow Jessica's advice. That's why you need to connect to Jessica. So Jessica, thank you so much for joining me. I am a fan of the work that you do with sales organizations, and I appreciate you opening up the playbook with us to help leaders everywhere create escape velocity in the teams they lead. Thank you for sharing with the sales leadership community worldwide. And to each of those worldwide listeners, connect with Jessica, check out her resources, reach out to her with questions. We've got several links in our show notes that make this easy for you to do. Jessica is a connection you'll be glad to have. Finally, I wanna thank each of you, our listeners. The greatest compliment you can give me is to share the show with those you work with. Introduce them to the Sales Leadership Podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes. And you can support the show by checking out Sales Leadership United. Head to Patreon and check it out. You're gonna be glad you did. Thank you for your ongoing support of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Our job as sales leaders is to create life-changing years for the people you lead. And if you like this message, Please share it this week with someone who needs to hear it and then get after it this week because life is short. You got no guarantee of what comes tomorrow. Maximize how you use today. Be elite, live strong and chase your passions and do your best work so you can live your best life. And don't ever forget, you got this and I got you. Have a terrific week. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.